what's that coming over the hill? <laughs> is it, is a, it lockdown? a lockdown? <laughs> is it a lockdown? <laughs> yes, it is. And here's the third one, you fuckers. Hello, and welcome to a special lockdown episode of Grape Culture, the podcast where three women drink wine remotely, talk about pop culture and what is going on in the world. Oh, and also some feminism. On this week's episode of Grape Culture, we're talking banana bread, jigsaws and other lockdown hobbies that we've picked up again over the last 12 months. But before we get into knitting hats and learning new languages, we have some wine to talk about. So who wants to go first? I'm going to go with Kim because you've just leant forward like me. <laughs> it's always me. I just want wine. Speaking of learning new languages, I did not learn a new language. And um, the label to the bottle of wine that I bought is all in French. So I'm just going to bring up my uh, phone tasting notes like the very exciting person that I am. When we talked about this episode, we talked about, you know, crafts and things like that. And I thought, boom, easy, go buy a craft wine. So I was fortunate enough to go to one of our local craft wine uh, shops that is still able to actually do in-person retail. They sold me a, uh, it's called a Coupe <laughs> de Sang Ventanac. What it is, is a wine that is made of half Cabernet Sauvignon and half Cabernet Franc. And so the chap that sold it to me, Angus Wolf Wine, he knows that I like rich red wines and I love a Cab Sab. He's like, if you ever had a Cabernet Franc, I said, I'm pretty sure I had, but I wasn't sure. They're known for being quite savoury, mushroomy, peppery kind of wines, like really quite a weird experience. Yeah. Um, so apparently this has all the elements of Cabernet Franc but because it's half Cabernet Sauvignon. It also has flavours of like blackberry and he said mocha. Uh, the description that I'm reading online reads as follows. Once upon a time, there was a village called Ventenac, located in the heart of the old region of France. In this special place, vines stretch across the rolling foothills of the Pyrenees, caressed by warm southern breezes. Breathers? Wow. <laughs> the family is deeply rooted in this terroir and firmly dedicated to creating specialised wines using only natural yeasts and time-tested production methods. They add no sulfites, but rather respect and preserve the pure, fresh expression of uh, Cabardes grapes. Each of their wines has their own special character and expression, and the names reflect the family stories or local traditions associated with that particular wine. So this wine is once upon a time in Ventanac. This wine is hand-harvested, apparently, tasting notes are ruby red aromas of ripe green pepper and blackcurrant as you would expect a shared mix of cabernet franc and cabernet sauvignon character prominent green red uh, prominent green pepper notes backed up by deep blackcurrant and a little chocolate so i'm looking forward to something a bit weird i have never heard of green pepper as a wine tasting note before i was the mushroom that got me i was like yeah, i don't think i'm gonna like that but smells good so there we go i was gonna say you're doing a like the wine face, the sniffy wine face. Well, I thought I'd, I thought I'd sniff it whilst one of you guys describe your wines, and then we can all try them together. <laughs> Fair enough. <laughs> See if you like can. Uh... Kim saying, "Please hurry the fuck up! I would like to <laughs> drink my wine." <laughs> I want my wine. <laughs> um, Alex, how is? What have you got? What have you done? What have you made? <laughs> <laughs> how is? What is? What? What, what, what is, is the wet thing going in your face? Come on. <laughs> <laughs> the wet thing going in my face is a Portuguese wine. Um, because we spoke about languages, I have been learning Portuguese uh, during lockdown, which I'll talk about more later. I mean, out of lockdown as well, but more thoroughly over the Zoom. Um, so I thought it would be very fitting to choose Portuguese wine whether I can pronounce it or not. 
is another thing. So I have got the Alvarada uh, Vin Vidre, which is roughly translates as green wine um, because it's a young wine. And essentially, so it's like super low percent. So it's only 10%. So this is of so this is from Sainsbury's. I don't know how actually Portuguese it is. Let's read the tasting notes and find out. If it's Vinverde, it has to be from Portugal, doesn't it? Does it? Yeah, I thought so. Do you I thought it was so? like a Cornish pasty. I thought it had to be from no, the that's, place that you that's, I'm pretty sure that's port. Ah, it's all the same. It's not. <laughs> <laughs> Just what does the label is. say? The label says. <laughs> Let's all trust the label and see what happens. The northwest of Portugal is home to Vingverde region, producing lovely zingy whites from local grapes. Our winemakers have selected this crisp, fresh white to give citrus and melon notes and a delicate spritz, delicious with simply grilled fresh seafood. Yeah, I mean, the thing I quite like about Vingverde is it is very slightly, not fizzy, it's almost like got like flat soda water um it's but got a nicer. Tan. yeah really selling it really selling it <laughs> um well i'm looking forward to this i will pour as sam describes hers fine in which case my wine uh so i went down a slightly different route in that you guys have gone down the things you learn or like the crafty aspect of lockdown which makes sense with this episode i went down the lockdown aspect <laughs> and i have um the dr l is in Doctor Lockdown, and also it's a pandemic, so doctors. Um, oh, well <laughs> and it's a twenty, it's a twenty nineteen Riesling, and it is even lower in percentage than Alex's. It's only eight and a half percent. Wow! But this is by the Lucen Brothers. Oh. <laughs> so yeah, uh, it's a Riesling. Um, there's not a hell of a lot in the way of toast, tasting notes. Style, fruity and crisp, aromatic and balanced. Again, words that mean nothing. Food pairing, spicy dishes and Asian cuisine. Also hard cheeses. Um, I can get involved in some hard cheese action. The terroir, which I think was used on your description, Kim. Uh, cool climate and slate soil, as if anyone gives a fuck. And um, then, there's a <laughs> then there's another tab here. There's just four, like, it's like a table on the back. The last one says... Um, Social awareness, eco step wine certified winery, and it's in a lightweight bottle, so even your shitty wrists could hold it. Kim. <laughs> I do have shitty wrists, though. <laughs> there we fun. go. Maybe you you need Doctor L. <laughs> so there we go. Cheers. Cheers. Sam, how's the wine? Were, you were pulling quite a face. <laughs> uh, I, I was. This is very. Very sweet. And also, you know, like you said, Alex, about the Big Bird having that slight fizziness. This has also got that. So like... Oh, sweetie fizz. Mm. Sweetie fizz. Uh, Like a liquidised tangfastic. Oh, but that sounds delish. Uh, In a wine? Oh, yeah, maybe. That sounds awful. That's like a panda pop. Yep. So, cheers. How's your... Uh, Have you you got any green pepper from yours? Mushroom. Or shroom? Does it taste like a bolognese yet? It's definitely savoury and it's definitely more green peppery than mushroomy so far, but I really like it. Like this is a good mix. Like the Cab Sav really brings it into my little area that I like of, you know, quite fruity wines, but <laughs> I'd like to come into your little area too. <laughs> Inappropriate. As long as it's fruity, I'm okay. <laughs> and how's your Vin Verde, Alex? 
Um, I'm very happy with my Vingved. A whole £5.25, well spent. So then, lockdown hobbies. Uh, beyond drinking copious amounts of both cheap and expensive wine in the last 12 months, what have you guys picked up? Because ev- I'm sure everyone is aware that there are certain hobbies that, while we have been unable to leave our houses, have come back around and also just appeared anew, as it were. Everyone, I think, at some point will have baked banana bread, but is there anything else that you guys went, yes, it's lockdown, this is what I'm going to spend my time on? In lockdown the first... I finally, finally cracked open the uh, cross-stitch kit that I'd had for a while, which was really, really nice because I just wanted to not be looking at a screen for ages. Uh, That and puzzles. What about you guys? I think my happy place is being productive. And if I'm not, I really struggle. I love relaxing, but for like minimal periods of time um, and purposeful relaxing. So um, when lockdown hit, that was, and like furlough and stuff, that was a real struggle. And so I think I hit every single thing I possibly could very hard. So I did so much baking, so much cooking, Instagrammed the hell out of it was learning languages, went hardcore on the fitness and was going for runs that isn't even my jam at all. Painting, writing poetry, reading endlessly, all the stuff that I really enjoy, but usually in much more moderation. And I think I was just like, I have endless amounts of time on my hands. I need to preoccupy myself with all these things. I feel like I've done everything bar cross-stitch. Especially lockdown one, like you say, Kim. Um, mm. I think lock, lockdown three and lockdown two is a little bit different. Yeah, well, I mean, I guess for you, especially because, you know, you've mentioned that you were furloughed in the first lockdown, whereas Sam and I weren't. I think f- for me, like, that's why I didn't I didn't go hard on a lot of things. And I was actually quite jealous of a lot of people that were like, I'm reading all these books and I'm doing all these amazing things. And I was like, I can't because I'm in HR and I'm really tired. Please, please just everyone just leave me the fuck alone. I'm just going to sit here in silence for two hours at the end of every day because Jesus Christ, which don't be jealous. It was the dullest thing in the world. (laughs) Well, no, obviously in hindsight, I am aware of that, but you know, there was a point there where I would have frankly welcomed yeah, endless like, amounts of time. Um, but, but, you know, everyone everyone had their different cross to bear and mine was people. Sam, <laughs> what about you? Um, what stuff did you get into? Uh, yeah, I definitely had that first but this is the first burst when lockdown was announced and when we kind of all saw it coming over the horizon, like some horrible What's shit. What's coming over the hill? <laughs> is it, is a, it lockdown? a lockdown? <laughs> is it a lockdown? <laughs> yes, it is. And here's the third one, you fuckers. Lob some yeah. banana bread in your face and run away. <laughs> Make the lockdown go away with baked goods. Um, yeah, so <laughs> I had that burst of like, I'm going to get so much done. And I actually have a tweet, which I've left up because I was like, I'm going to delete this because I sound like such a fucking mug. But like last April, I think it was, no, it was last March. I was like, oh, I'm going to finally finish this game that I've been playing. I'm going to read to all of my TBR and I'm going to do all this stuff. And I'm like, nope, obviously you're not. You're a fucking idiot. I don't know. I did one of the weirder ones that I picked up in the first lockdown was paint by numbers. I I did some paint by numbers. Yeah. 
and yeah so I started doing like I've never been I'm not an art art person I dropped art as soon as I could because what I see in my brain does not come out on the paper and I'm like no um so paint by numbers is a good compromise because you're like oh look at me I'm so fancy but I'm being told what to do so that was nice (laughs) yeah paint by numbers a lot more reading last year than previously and a fair bit of cooking like I've been cooking more but more less because it was lockdown and more because I was like well I can now cook for breakfast lunch and dinner Mm. I've loved walking more in lockdown actually I've loved walking out my front door and just going I don't really know where my feet are going to carry me and you know I have got lost so many times (laughs) and have accidentally done like 25k But it doesn't matter. It doesn't matter because, like, no one expects you home. You don't have to be home for anything. Um, And it's been joyous, actually. I've loved that. So why do you think that some of these hobbies have become more popular? Because I said at the beginning about the banana bread, and we've talked a little bit about baking and cooking, um, cross-stitch, painting, reading, all these very (laughs) knitting, these very kind of for want of a better word domestic hobbies why do you think these specifically came back during lockdown beyond the fact there was nothing else to do (laughs) I don't know about you guys but I had a like knee-jerk reaction that was like I want to be away from technology and I think it's ironic that you know obviously we're recording this on basically a video chat channel and then we you know use technology to edit it and blah 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 but I think what we were really missing was something tactile something real and so all those kind of things like reading like baking like knitting and drawing it it was an escapism that we hadn't had for a long time and we wanted away from the Zoom calls, from the endless Zoom quizzes, from the like Mm. working from home, on your emails constantly. So I do think that kind of fed into it quite a lot. Mm -hmm. The technology turn off, yeah. I agree. The other thing I think is like, obviously the word domestic is is key there. Like we are in our homes and so you're going to do things that you can do from your home or that improve your home and improve your living space and improve your thing. And kind of key core of that is comfort. And I think Mm. that the activities that we're talking about, the sort of traditional crafts that we're talking about, like knitting, like baking and everything, they are comforting in their familiarity in the fact that they are traditional in the fact that they have stood the test of time but they are also comforting because they make our homes more comfortable um so it's both the the comfort of like returning to tradition returning to maybe what we've watched in tv shows growing up or what we remember our grandparents doing which i know sounds really trite but like if you think of a lot of people if you if you want if you ask them what was the coziest or happiest you've been you're gonna they're gonna think of childhood memories with loved ones who have done these things or these slightly cliche experiences and they're cliche for a reason um but then at the same time if you bake banana bread your suddenly your one bed flat smells really nice and you have banana bread and then you get the calories it doesn't smell like boy anymore (laughs) (laughs) it's kind of like people have been doing these things for years and years and years and every every household was doing that it wasn't like a specialist craftsperson 
had to know how to bake banana bread in the years gone by, every house could bake bread, every house could do this. So you're kind of like, well, if they could do it, I can do it. And then I have this small modicum of control in what is otherwise a just maelstrom of shit. I think control is the key word there, actually. Yeah, I think that's a really good point. Almost like a almost like a nesting instinct like that kind of Mm. i will make Mm. my place nice because i have to fucking be here for five months Mm -hmm. yeah that's so true well it's like if you have anxiety well a lot of people with anxiety myself included when you're stressed you clean because you're like i can do this thing i'm going to clean and everything is going to be better because i i have cleaned i can fix this area yeah it's an extension of that i guess yeah for sure And I think the technology thing is a really good point as well, because I think a lot of people, for a lot of people, if you talk about switching off or hobbies or whatever, yes, there are a big chunk of people who will have outdoors hobbies that maybe they can explore this year. But then also when you think about those, the indoor ones that we've all had, a lot of them have been based around technology, like watching TV or gaming or just that, you know, just that scrolling on your phone all evening, making, making fucking podcasts. Or listening um, to podcasts. Or like, listening you guys to- know that that's basically 90% of my day is listening to podcasts. Yeah, exactly. So-, so the hobbies that once relaxed us in the pre, in the pre lockdown days are now just feel like an extension of work or feel like an extension of doing the same digital thing. So yeah, that idea of a kind of a tactile world in which you're creating something and also i think as well this idea of the, like creation and and um having something tangible that, you, that you've done and you've made in a world where nothing else is changing mm-hmm. <laughs> because everything is fucking stagnant yeah you can go two months ago this didn't exist this plant wasn't here or this painting wasn't here or this like this other thing wasn't here it's some kind of marker of time passing yeah you you're haven't right. just been sat in the same pants for 12 months yeah <laughs> You've done well, it's something. like it's a psychological thing that you know the reason why your weekend maybe goes so fast or why time seems sometimes seems to go faster than others is because you haven't you haven't made any variation there's no new memory so if you do the same thing every weekend if you you know every every saturday in the normal times you go to brunch at the same place and you go to you you watch the same tv shows and you sit in the same place that's why it seems to go so fast because your brain hasn't latched on to any new memory like a snag on a jumper that it can like be like this is different so that was kind of tenfold when we're all suddenly at home and it's the same four walls every day and you're looking at the same screen every day and then you you know a lot of people watch their shows on the same screen that they would otherwise do their work like they watch netflix on on laptops and things like that or they play video games on the same things and so then their brains even though they're watching a new show they're not doing anything different in order to latch onto which is why it can feel so samey and so draining and everything so the the very act of choosing something different is to create some kind of whirlpool in your day that that your brain can latch onto as like time is different and days are different and we are not just like broken robots basically yeah that's probably why learning has become such a key part because obviously like like you say you uh carve out the definition in what you can describe yesterday to today and the definition like the the distinction is I learned something today that I didn't know yesterday. So that enables you to kind of see progression and also time being productive, but also yesterday is different to today. Which is probably also why so many people have done new things 
they're not new no one's not new invented hobbies. A, a new source of renewable yeah, energy but People they are new no but they're learning new things yes yeah exactly yeah and so on that note is there anything that alex is there anything that you learned this year that was new to you other than portuguese <laughs> oh my god so much at work that i do not want to go into <laughs> um, yeah your job role basically has evolved is not tenfold is changed in in 12 months yeah so much um and i've i got exhausted learning to the point that um then in my downtime i didn't want to learn anything else which is why i then took a pause on portuguese if we want to go really deep i've learned a lot about myself I'm not going to go too far into it, but I feel to an extent that so much of us have learned more about ourselves and how we cope with trauma, but also how resilient we are and how, you know, if if, if someone told us when we were doing this podcast, like you listen to our podcast when we're like, oh my God, we're first in lockdown. We've got three weeks and we were like stressing about it. And it's like, Jesus Christ, we've done a year. I would never have been able to cope with that concept if someone had told me that, but we're all okay. We're like, well done us. So yes, learn a lot at work, but learn a lot about myself and what is important to me, I think as well. And are there any hobbies that you took up that you never thought that you would do like when you were in the in the non-COVID world, is there anything that you picked up that you were like, no, I wouldn't do this in a million years? But seeing as I have four spare months on my hand. <laughs> Uh, no, I don't think so. I think I use the time, like, especially when we talk about uh, furlough, I think I was like, great, this is the pause I need to do all those things that were on my to-do list of wanting to do. I don't know, but I'm kind of, I'm kind of the person that would just do something anyway. So like, maybe I'm Fair not enough. the right person to ask. <laughs> <laughs> What's that? Swimming with great white shark? Done. Yes, please. Done. Yeah, fair <laughs> enough. <laughs> Kim, what about you? Is there anything that you did this year that you were not you would not have expected yourself to do in a normal year, hobby-wise? Not necessarily. I learned a lot more about home repairs than I ever thought I would. <laughs> I feel like a fucking expert on like drains and leaks at this point. I caught myself talking to a neighbour today about cracks in roofs and, and groundwater and all this sort of shit, and I was like, oh, yeah, you're boring now, because this is this is the life you live. Uh, Adult context kid. listeners, Ad- Ad- my house is low key falling apart around me, and has been for a year. And I'm cursed by a sea ghost. <laughs> um, yeah, I learned how walls are made. Um, <laughs> when a mummy wall and a daddy wall love each other, very mummy much. wall and a daddy wall love each other very very much. <laughs> Aside from my crash course in, in home walls, home walls, and uh, maybe the gardening. Like I always had a passing interest in it like I always knew that I wanted to sort of be able to have plants that live but I got a veg chug for my birthday last year and I grew kale and it was very exciting kale is easy to grow I know you don't have to tell me but I did it and I was very proud of myself so uh and potatoes I grew potatoes also very easy to grow I know you don't have to tell me so vegetables I learned a lot about growing vegetables and while I always kind of thought I'd like to, I mean, my mum's had an allotment for several years and I never took that much of an interest in the actual how-to of it. So that was quite unexpected. Many a potato. <laughs> Sam, what about you? Um, 
it's hard to say really because <laughs> this year has been like as we said there have been so few markers and although we did have a brief kind of open up during the summer where things were open and almost back to normal but kind of not quite and then it went away again everything has been so samey that I'm like was that this year was that last year did I do that this year so yeah it's been very strange I mean I didn't think at the start of the year last year I would be doing paint by numbers I thought I would be traveling um so it was slightly different the reading was a welcome a welcome return and the plants actually no I never thought I was going to be a plants person I was like what why do people give a shit it's a plant you just put it in a corner and it grows or it doesn't yeah so that was unexpected but I think it was just something to mark the passage of time (laughs) Look, it has a new leaf. Speaking of, Animal Crossing New Horizons was also a great way to pass the time. Yeah, I was going to say, because when we were talking about like the break from technology, that feels like, aside from Netflix binges and all the, the great Netflix stuff, which loads of people got into last year, and we you know we covered a couple of those shows, like Tiger King and everything. But aside from that, like the main anomaly to what we've been talking about when it comes to hobbies is like everyone not everyone but like (laughs) so many people got into animal crossing and i feel like animal crossing is the the weird exception to the rule and i guess the reason is that particularly the new horizons version is so immersive like you really really feel can really really feel because you can play on a big tv and everything like you're outside and it's also social and it's doing all the things that you want to be doing or that you would like to imagine that you would be doing if you could go outside and be a, a person of the soil and like grow things and <laughs> catch fish. And, a mud person. And it's just so like wholesome and homesteady and sweet. And also there's the appeal of, you know, being on an island and choosing who you get to live with, which well, that, yeah. would help. Animal Crossing was like its release date couldn't have been any more fortuitous for the for the designers like ah we're about to go into a situation where no one is allowed outside for more than this amount of hours to do this amount of things but here's a game where you are on a desert not a desert island you're on a tropical island surrounded by cute animals and you only have to fish and catch bugs and decorate stuff perfect conspiracy theory (laughs) pandemic was was (laughs) caused by nintendo Nintendo. (laughs) big nook caused the pandemic fucking tom nook ruining everyone's time but yeah that's very true i mean that was one that early on in the in the pandemic times kind of defined the first few months for a lot of people was animal crossing which has been nominated for bafta as i told you which is mad absolutely mad i love it Um, that's how little happened in the last year (laughs) we're we're trying to give a BAFTA to a fake raccoon (laughs) he's a real raccoon and he's got two nephews sons is Tom Nook gay who knows anyway that's an aside so of all of these various hobbies we've discussed that we picked up in the last 12 months I don't think we've continued with all of them throughout those 12 months I think some might have been like you say lockdown 1.0 some might have been 2.0 and i don't know about you guys but 3.0 has been the least productive of the lot but are there any that you think will continue and i'm not talking about just us but generally are there any that you think will continue once lockdowns are over and the world is back to some semblance of what it used to be or do you think people will go ah oh, do you remember that summer we were really into animal crossing or knitting i think things like knitting and in cross stitch and, and, and baking and stuff 
for a lot of people obviously will last because I think that they predate and a lot of the people who like they did more of it they didn't pick up something new but I do think things like any fad on TikTok and indeed TikTok itself will be things that will go the way of Vine and slowly fade into obscurity R.I.P. Vine and I think things any kind of faddy things like that will will eventually fade and I think for a lot of people their newfound yoga habits will fade you know talking about exercise classes and stuff a lot of instructors moved their stuff online and started creating packages that were specifically for online based like customers and all that stuff I do think that that will stay I do think Mm. that um they've built a customer a database that is far beyond the geographical reach than they usually have and so i i do think like yoga classes pilates gym classes all that kind of stuff digital online on demand i do think they will stay and people will keep them up because you know people found fitness quite a lot in in this time and some of us found fatness but yeah well well regardless but like <laughs> you know people that sometimes would feel a little bit more put off or intimidated going into a gym might have found something that they feel a little bit more welcomed and comfortable by logging on to like a zoom call or even keeping their video off so i think that might stay as a hobby a lot of fitness uh, things have has had and the benefits that they've had and everything like that has been brilliant. And the, and I certainly agree that people feeling more comfortable and able to do this from this from their home is something that I would have welcomed pre-pandemic and think that is brilliant. I just think that of all the things that people are the quickest to give up on, new exercise regimes often are the thing <laughs> to give up on. And in normal anything. times as well. Exactly, in normal times. So I think that's probably even more exasperated by the fact that suddenly they'll be able to go outside again. I also think like, you know, talking about things I've learned about myself, I think those have been discovered for a lot of people through hobbies. So, you know, people have found love for cooking, people have found love for knitting, and that's the only way they can connect with loved ones a lot during this time. So, you know, you leave a lasagna or a cake on the doorstep or whatever, or you do a cook-along class and only one person signs up. <laughs> you know, like, it's it's human connection that we're missing. And so, yes, we have used technology maybe to connect that but it's also sharing the things that we've then found out in our own homes and found out about ourselves so I don't think it's one hobby or the other that will last I think it's the sharing of those hobbies and the joy that we found finding those or even the way that you might interact with those hobbies there's been a huge rise in virtual pub quizzes during the pandemic whether virtual pub quizzes last in a world where people can mingle again in actual pubs is a question but i reckon that more people will make more of an effort to be like remember how great it was to do a pub quiz with all of us where we all did it and and how much fun that was what about you sam have you got any thoughts about especially for you any that might stick around I think it's hard to say I because my instinct is that 
everyone will have really good intentions for the next year and be like, yeah, no, I'm really into that now. And I think the majority of them are going to fade um, because I'm a pessimist. And also just the world won't go back to the way it was. I don't think anyone can argue that because it just, it just won't. Like, it's not going to be like we were living in 2018, for example. Mm. I think people will be more comfortable doing things virtually. And I also think people will struggle to adjust to social stuff a bit as well um, in in the flesh. So I think it's going to take people some time. But as to the hobby side of it, I think that we're going to see this backlash of when we can go and do things and travel and do outdoor activities and go to theatres and go to live gigs and things like that. If you are given the choice between doing the thing that you've been doing for a year because you've had no choice or going to see your favourite band, like, what yeah. are you going to do? I think it's going to swing the other way. As soon as people can do the stuff, they will do the stuff. And I don't think it will last that way. I think it will settle back into this. It's, it's this equilibrium yeah, of thing. Of like, at the moment we're here, then it will go like this, and then it will be like, hmm, maybe we'll find something in the middle. Absolutely. But exactly. Like, I think that your interests and the things that you want to do, you go a lot of people not everyone some people are just like this is my thing and this is the only thing I care about but a lot of people flit between a lot of different hobbies jack of all trades kind of things and I think the same thing will last after in a world where the pandemic is you know when we're not in lockdown I think you know I I think we all know that COVID-19 is going to be part of our lives now but um, in a world where we're not in perpetual lockdown I think there will probably be, like you say, Sam, a swing in the other direction. But then I think that for most people, it will be sporadic and it will be cyclical. And sort of six months after the pubs reopen or whatever, someone's going to be like, yeah, remember when I tried to learn how to play guitar? And then they're going to get out, they're literally going to get out of the guitar at a party and be like, anyway, here's Wonderwall. And that'll be the end of it. (laughs) Like the, The cycle will start anew. And I think just before we go to the break, one thing that I just wanted to wrap up with is one thing that was good about this year is, yes, it gave you the space to to be curious and to explore things that you might not have explored. But also you weren't pressurised by the fact that the what things you were trying had to be good because there was no need for you to share them with everyone. Yes, some people went on social media and were like, look at all the things I've done, which is, you know, fine. And I think after the break, we'll get on to talking about this curse of productivity that kind of came along with with lockdown and with hobbies but you could just do something and try it and there was nobody around to see if you fucked it up you didn't have to show it to anyone you didn't have to make a spectacle of it and normally if you're like sometimes if you're learning or if you're you know you're you're doing something new and you're surrounded by other people particularly in like classes and stuff you feel a pressure that you have to get it right whereas at least during the lockdowns you could do it on your own and no one knew Mm -hmm. secret hobbies (laughs) we're gonna have a break have our usual grape culture we which makes it sound like we do it all together sadly at the moment we don't (laughs) um but we'll come back after the break to talk more about lockdown and hobbies and the pressures of having to become a renaissance person during a global pandemic And we are back from our wee and our break to talk some more about lockdown hobbies and fucking banana bread. Not fucking banana bread, because that's weird. Don't fuck so before we bread. don't fuck banana bread. He's a fuck boy. He won't moist. Back. Moist. 
we were also discussing in the break that we've all lost the ability to be able to talk to people. So thank you, dear <laughs> audience, for sticking with us for this entire time. How is everyone finding the wine? Um, Kim, you had your green pepper and mushroom boy. <laughs> and um, Alex, what was yours? Oh, the Vin Verde. That was it. How are they? My savoury wine is really nice. I don't know if this is a new thing. I might try a full Cabernet Franc at some point on the podcast just to see how how far this goes because I'm really, really enjoying this. And I do generally like, like, say, like, I'm a starter person, not a dessert person, but I think that is literally because I started drinking and then wine became my dessert because the wine that I like is normally very sugary and sweet. Like, I like, you know, like Shirazes and stuff like that. Um, but maybe I like savoury wine. I don't know. It's delicious. I'm having a great time and I'm drunk. Splendid. And Alex, what about your not flat Vin Verd? <laughs> My slightly sparkling Vin Verd. Yeah, it's very nice. I have nothing bad to say about it. It's very light. I think it's a weekday drink. Recommend. Good. And my uh, Dr. L Riesling is still very sweet. Um, I will finish the bottle because why not? It's locked down. I don't think I'll be having it again. Uh, I am reasonably pissed, but I don't think that's the 8.5%. I think that's the two whiskey and Cokes and the three glasses of wine I had before the podcast. <laughs> so uh, maybe those. Um, but hey, we soldier on in the face of the lockdown. Speaking of... I mean... There's, sorry, there's a hobby that we haven't talked about, which is drinking in lockdown. Oh my God, so much booze. <laughs> so much booze. And the verdict there is, we loved it. Thanks, everyone. I don't know if that's a hobby so much as just an enhanced hobby. Like, hobby plus. It's not a hobby, it's a That we already thing. had. <laughs> Mind you, I didn't really drink at home. Like, ever. Which I find baffling. Like, yeah. what did you do in your evenings? Well, I, I <laughs> apparently just went to sleep. But like now, I'm like, yes, drinking all the time. How did I not do this? So it is a newfound hobby for me. I've Sorry, had, I derailed us. <laughs> I had, I've, I've got a chart of like not what I've drunk each day, but I have like a little thing which I colour in, which is whether I've had zero drinks, one to three drinks, or three plus. Most of it is three plus. I've had five days this year where it's been no drinks. <laughs> I've had uh, I've had thirty one days this year where it's been no drinks. Oh, did you do dry January? Did you hate it? Was it pointless? It was pointless. <laughs> it was so fucking pointless. Right, I derailed us, Sam. You were about to make an excellent segue that I interrupted. <laughs> I was, but much like a real segue, it has gone completely off the rails. <laughs> um, so, <laughs> speaking of hobbies in lockdown, um, I don't know if this is something that either of you found, but. It almost felt as though being given all this quote unquote extra time, which wasn't extra time. It was the same amount of time just in one setting that you had to you had to show something for it. You had to be able to go. I've had four months at home. Look at my lovely herb garden or look at this work of art I've created. Did either of you feel any kind of productivity pressure during the pandemic? So much. So much. My role my job became arguably busier so I felt a lot of pressure because everyone was being like if you don't write that novel that you've always been talking about writing then you're never really going to write it and 
like if you don't read that book that you've always meant to be reading then you're never going to read it like if if you're not going to do it now then you're never going to do it and there's me looking at wolf hall on my shelf being like guess it's the end for you wolf hall i felt so much pressure and i have a massive chip on my shoulder comparing myself to other people as i've discussed previously and freely admit to and constantly try to challenge myself on because i know that it's not logical right or fair or 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 a valid calculation of my worth but what you know in your logical brain versus what you feel in your monkey brain is not quite the same thing so monkey brain says everyone is doing all this stuff better than you and you are therefore a worthless piece of shit and logical brain is like yes but also you've worked excessively long hours this weekend you're dealing with everyone else's problems and you're tired and you're sad and also it's a global pandemic maybe you're allowed to just you know watch university challenge and cry previously to 2020 i felt like my identity certainly my identity in amongst a lot of my friends was like was being quite bookish or was being quite like traditional hobby person like oh, that's the person that, you know, like, Kim likes to knit, Kim likes to bake, Kim likes to do this, Kim likes to do that, Kim likes to read. And Kim reads these many books and Kim does this much ridiculous home crafts and Kim makes fucking jam or whatever on the weekends. And all fucking of a sudden jam. <laughs> fucking jam. Just specifically fucking jam. Um, jam to fuck to, yep, yep. Yep. Dun, 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 dun. Um, that's my jam. And then all of a sudden I wasn't doing any of those things and everyone else that I knew well, not everyone else that I knew, but it felt like everyone else that I knew was doing all the things that were somehow my thing, my identity or or my value. And I was like, well, what if I'm no longer, what if I lo- no longer matter because I'm not the bookish one, the, the, the creative one, the, the traditional homecraft one, and therefore everyone hates me and I'm going to have no friends and the end. Like, obviously, spiral brain is, is a thing, but the pressure for me from all of that and how much my identity was wrapped into the things that I did, the the hobbies that I had, the persona that I had, even though these are all things that I love to do, like making jam, knitting things, you know, reading books, all things I love to do. But I was suddenly like, if I'm not the best at it in the circle of friends that I have, or at least if I'm not being praised for it in the circle of things that I have, or even if I'm not doing it as much as other people in the circle of friends that I have, Am I a piece of shit undeserving of love? And the answer is clearly no, but the answer very much felt like yes. Your brain is exhausting. Yeah, I know. (laughs) So you did feel some pressure to be productive. I think it's fair to say. No, actually, you know what? I was fine. I was completely... I'm totally fine. I am super chill all the time, in the words of (laughs) Lesbian. Yeah, I completely get what you mean about like... I think this year has made everyone question their identity in a certain way i know this is something that we've spoken about off podcast and that whether through intentional choices or choices that have been voiced upon us by 2020 and 2021 things have changed parameters have changed hobbies have changed lifestyles have changed and jobs have changed and um yeah we are not the same people that we were a year ago and it's interesting how much hobbies have fed into that from from your side yeah I think for me there was definitely a more of an internal pressure to go right well you have no excuse 
to not do the things that you thought you you weren't doing because you didn't have the time like oh no well you know I, I I'm simply too busy and I have too much of a social life and I'm like well actually no that's not the case anymore although yeah we still see friends and do things virtually it's nowhere near the same kind of level that it was so it's like it, it has been a quite a rude awakening in terms of no you're just lazy <laughs> the job that you were working at at the time was very uh popular um, <laughs> yeah in lockdown yeah. 1.0 and obviously my role being what it is yeah. was suddenly very very intense and I remember thinking about that and thinking just how like harmful that notion was and I I was kind of like for me I was like well maybe I'm maybe I'm never gonna write a book like that's fine but then I remember thinking about you in that moment and I was like no this is bullshit like she'll write a book when she wants to write a book we'll write a book when we want to write a book we'll knit a scarf when we want to knit a scarf just <laughs> leave me alone like we'll do the things that we are aiming to do, do. world is not on fire yeah like <laughs> and then about a month or two into it I remember seeing you know another one of those posts which was like oh just remember that like you're in a global pandemic and actually not being able to do things and not being productive and like you don't have to be productive because you are dealing with trauma and I was like fucking thank you because taking aside you know like putting aside my individual response to my individual pressures like my work or you know Alex's experiences with furlough or your experiences with your work and and the increased um amount of orders and stuff like putting aside our individual pressures we are all collectively in something that is taking up so much of our brain like we almost forget now like Alex you alluded to it earlier like we almost forget now how much we didn't know how uncertain it was we were saying is it going to be three weeks is it going to be three months we were all suddenly flooded with information but no real information because nobody knew what was going on and suddenly we had all this time and it was 24-hour news the the then all of a sudden on Instagram, it was like, if you haven't made this top 10 banana bread, then you are a piece of shit. And you're like, well, all right. Maybe some of us in our fight or flight, maybe some of us freeze. And maybe some of us are like, shit, the world is really scary and I can't do anything. It felt very upsetting because the last thing you need when you're trying to deal with your trauma is someone attack attacking the way that you deal with your trauma and in that and sort of saying you're not valid because what you're doing is not productive and how damaging that is and how damaging that was in the face of you can do these 10 regulated activities or get fined for it or die <laughs> and those were the options those were the options <laughs> but that's fine alex i know you are battling hiccups right now but um what do you feel about the pressure of productivity that we've that you may or may not have experienced in the last year uh for me productivity is like my safe space it's my go-to you are the person you you are when you're doing stuff you are uh, making a difference you are connecting with people you like whatever you want to define productivity as and so when you strip away human connection <laughs> and my job 
and my friend relationships and everything it's it's been really hard and I have struggled personally but at the same time like I have loved like I said earlier finding more about myself I think everything about this year has just been bonkers I like I I don't think you can think that you started lockdown one and went, I'm going to knit a jumper and then end up in lockdown three and go, great, I've knitted my jumper. There is no through line. I always think that the pressure comes from myself rather than other people. Always. Because I am my biggest critic. I know that I have friends that are very supportive. I know I have friends that think sometimes I'm bonkers. And sometimes I also achieve more than I give myself credit for. And so therefore, I'm very grateful about that. And I hope I do the same for my friends. But with lockdown, you strip away those personal relationships. And all you have is yourself. And if you're lucky, a partner in your four walls your only reflection is yourself. Yeah. Like the only person who can reflect your achievements in this situation is you. Yeah. And I think that's an important and an important learning curve of who you are as a person. But it's it's hard what we're 30, 31. And we need, we need the gratification of our friends and our peers and our work colleagues. And we're grade not getting me. that. Yeah. That Lisa Simpson. Grade me, grade me. I'm oh so good and oh so smart. But I, I agree with you. Like, we're all our own worst critic. Our individual experiences are our selves being our own worst enemy. I do think that there was very explicit online external pressure for people maybe not necessarily us maybe not necessarily you but for people to be productive during the pandemic even in like news articles and shit and that is a problem when you when you're like there is a thing happening that is killing people (laughs) like people are dying across the globe me having done this checklist that some influencer has posted on instagram where i've meditated and reached out to someone in need or done something else like if i haven't done that every day i like i don't want to feel bad about myself for not doing that because i am surviving mm-hmm. <laughs> the pandemic is the colossus roller coaster at thorpe park there are 10 loops and no one knows which way we're going there was very real external pressure at the beginning of the pandemic, and probably still now, I'm sure there is still now, whilst also simultaneously battling exactly what Alex is talking about, which is you being your own worst enemy, and especially if you are suddenly with a lot more time on your hand than you ever experienced before, and your value is tied into what the capitalist society is telling you it should be, which is you need to be doing something all the time, you need to be making something, you need to be working, your value is your work, you are your work, you are a writer you are a artist you are a this you suddenly can't do that therefore you are shit all bullshit but it's a it was a very very harmful time i think in terms of pressure i think there was a lot of different pressure for a lot of different people well before we get to the end of our trotskyite uh tirade against the pressures of capitalism <laughs> Viva uh, revolution. <laughs> Viva la revolution Kill the czars. Um, We should talk about whether there is something that you wish you had done in lockdown that you didn't do. And I'm not talking about something that 
you felt like you should have done because you saw a challenge on Instagram telling you you should have done it? Is there something that you went, this is the point, I'm sad I didn't try it? Maybe next lockdown, <laughs> lockdown 4.0, 5.0, 6.0. I'm going to come in with like the most bullshit thing ever. So I love or- myself. I ordered, I ordered some coat hangers <laughs> <laughs> to organize my fucking wardrobe. And the- I ordered that in lockdown one. That was a year ago now. And I still <laughs> haven't fucking sorted out my wardrobe. So there we go. I wish I sorted out my wardrobe is what, what I will say. Uh, can I help? I'm really good at sorting my wardrobe. I've done it like. Six I mean, you times can come and do it if you want. <laughs> when we can mix inside, we're going to come and sort your wardrobe out. What about yeah, you? How about you? Oh, yeah, me! I go fast. next. No, I wish I'd done more writing and something that stuff that was creativity that wasn't guided by other people. By which I mean, paint by numbers is great, but I'm told what to do. Um, cooking, great, but if I'm following a recipe, I'm I'm being told what to do. Something where I had complete creative freedom would have been good but also I was scared that I'd get it wrong so I didn't do it so I'm sad about that but the rest of it meh I'm still alive I mean I sit here before you a broader woman than I was before (laughs) Kim how about you yeah I have I have three things I've forgotten the third one already um (laughs) we're off to a great start the first is that uh way back in the Christmas of 2019, I got a calligraphy set and I had been thinking about getting into calligraphy pretty much the entirety of 2019. So I kind of wish that I'd done that. I also really wanted to learn sign language and I still really want to learn sign language. I still could learn it, obviously. I just wish that I'd done it when I allegedly had time, even though I didn't. And I'm trying to remember what the third one was. It's gone. <laughs> One thing I wish I had was a better system for remembering things. I wish I had a better memory. Yeah, my third (laughs) thing is clearly a better memory. I remember the third thing, uh, to bring it home to the top of the show. I wish that I had finished the puzzle that I bought before lockdown one that was really fucking hard and lives under my sofa, under a blanket, and I will never finish it. So guess what? We're at the end of the show. And unlike Kim's puzzle, we finished. (laughs) (laughs) But before we go this week, we have some wine to rate. We don't have a topic as such because it's generally just been stuff. So um, I'm going to go first. And I have the Dr. L Riesling 2019, um, which by the Lucen brothers, which was, um, it was a Riesling. What can you say? It, Sweet German dessert wine. It was fine. I will give it a three because if you were to give me this with a dessert, I'd be quite happy. Um, If you gave me this and I just turned up at your house, I would not. I mean, I'd (laughs) still drink it. (laughs) Yeah, three for the Dr. L. Alex. Um, For my £5.25 or however much it cost. No, it's super cheap, super cheap. Portuguese wine. I'm gonna give it a 3.5. Mm. Because I enjoyed it. It was light and sparkly. I'm suitably drunk, but not super drunk. So well, 
Yeah, but that's only because I had booze beforehand. Um, yeah. Yes. Yeah. I 3.5. Nice. 3.5 for the vinaigrette. And Kim, what about your peppery mushroomy Ooh. lad? This song, my, my two is it, cabinet. Is, it, is, that, is that songs in S-A-N-G-E? S-A-N-G. Exclamation point. Isn't that blood? No, I, I think that's in a French. Quote. I'm sure. I don't know. Anyway, I, continue. Literally, the whole label is in French, and I'm sorry, but I don't speak French. And so the, big the, word, the big the word, the big word is Ventnuc, which I have established is an area of France, and therefore I'm useless. I'm sorry, I'm useless. It's very nice though. I have to say, I was concerned because. I really like wolf wine. I really like Angus at Wolf Wine. He's lovely. He always sells me wines with such enthusiasm. I was terrified that I was going to dislike it. But I really, really have enjoyed this wine. And I think that it is unique. And I don't think that it is for everyone's tastes. I also don't think that it's even for every night of my tastes. Like there are a lot of nights where I would not want this specific wine. But perfect timing. Like it's a spring or autumn wine, really like like a late summer or a spring wine. I'm giving it a four grapes out of five. And for the record, uh, lockdown, I'm giving zero grapes because lockdown. <laughs> Fair. Um, I just looked it up, by the way, and Coudesson is um, a fit of anger in French, um, which makes sense because it's the same root as sanguine. Sanguine is also the same root for the word blood. Word. And the humor also how I feel about lockdown. So we're, we're it just all comes full circle. Fit of anger. Yes. <laughs> Good. <laughs> so thanks for joining us on Grape Culture this week. Don't forget, you can check out our website where we have our show notes and you can check out where to buy all the different wines we've talked about if they've piqued your interest. And the website is www.grapeculturepodcast.co.uk. We're also on social media. We're on Twitter at GrapeCulturePod, Instagram at GrapeCulturePodcast. And don't forget, we are running on a revised schedule at the moment. So we have a new episode going up on the last Sunday of every month. So we'll see you next month with a brand new episode. Thanks for listening. Bye-bye. Bye. Bye. Bye.